This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha, and this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit, COVID edition. COVID edition. Hi, COVID, COVID buddies. Hey, we COVID buddies. COVID. <laughs> Guys, this is awful. Let me tell you my entire life growing up, everything I've done, Samantha has always just copied me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. What the fuck ever? Okay. First of all, we have to tell everybody the lovely, <laughs> like the, the conversation we had when we found out it was COVID. So first off, I, my husband went and got tested earlier this week and it was negative. Mm-hmm. And then the very day that he went and got tested, my throat started like, I started getting like an itchy throat or right. whatever. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. I went to bed just fine. Like I felt okay. Other than that. And the next day I felt like shit. Um, so I actually stayed home from work, which I never stay home from work. Like I always go to work, but unless I'm on vacation, stayed home from work, felt like shit was in bed all day. And then gradually felt a little better later on in the afternoon. And I was like, Oh, I'll go to work. I'll be okay. I'll be able to go to work tomorrow. Well, then the very next day, which was yesterday, um, I felt even more like crap. And so I stayed home and I was like, I'm going to go get COVID tested. But I didn't tell Crystal. She did not, I didn't know this was going <laughs> I didn't, on at I all. Didn't tell, I didn't tell Crystal. I didn't tell anybody um, except for, you know, my husband, like, obviously, but didn't tell Crystal. And then I get a text message early that morning where Crystal, we have a group text that goes between me, my, me, Crystal, and our older brother, Michael. It's called and, the Kevin because we're cool. Yeah, we're cool. Um, she tells everybody that she has COVID, and I'm like, oh my god, how do I go about telling them without it seeming like I'm fucking copying you? Because literally, I swear to God, every time I go and do something, whether it's sick, whether it's anything, I anything. it's right after Crystal. Let me give some and examples. I was gonna give a couple examples of just you know, we're growing up. My favorite color is purple. Oh, your favorite color is purple. <laughs> I want to do something with my friends. Oh, I want to tag along. It's little little sister stuff, normal little sister stuff. Every big sister. We're knows. not even that, and we're four years apart. They, we're okay, four years little, apart. Let's get a little that older. Out there, getting a little older. I'm pregnant with my first son. Oh fuck you! <laughs> Samantha becomes pregnant with her first son, <laughs> and then just this past August, I got flu A and B, and then like literally like a week later, you're like, I have flu A and B. <laughs> This time it was the same day. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so uh, awful. So of course I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. So I text the the group back and say, I have COVID as well. <laughs> I was like, I have COVID as well. And I was waiting for Crystal to be like, 
just send like the the little gif or whatever that says why are you so obsessed with me but she I, didn't she lost I had the, the COVID brain it was missed opportunity for sure <laughs> so instead she got me back because we started this I know we're about to go on another rant but we started this new show um on Paramount oh it's called Ghost Paramount Plus if you guys yeah. have yeah if you guys haven't seen it go watch it it's so freaking it funny is freaking hilarious I love it I love it. So we started it yesterday because we're COVID buddies and we're confined <laughs> to our bedroom. Yeah, this is my bad here. <laughs> and so we've watched the first five episodes yesterday and then it got late and we were like, okay, we're going to go to bed. It's like well, a then- new show too. There's only one season out. There's, oh, I think 11 episodes out, 12, 12 episodes out right now. Yeah. And as we were going yeah. to bed, we were finishing episode five, but I kept dozing. So when I woke up at 630 this morning, I couldn't go back to sleep. I was like, well, let me rewatch five because I missed half of it because I kept falling asleep. And then I don't know what happened. I couldn't help <laughs> it. kept fucking watching them. <laughs> so <laughs> I talked to her this morning and I was like, um, do you want to watch the, do you want to keep watching the show or whatever? And she's like, well, what happened was, <laughs> and she's like, I'm already on episode 10. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> So, I got um, fired as her COVID buddy. <laughs> yeah. So she. So sorry about that. That's, that's what Did I you get. Finish it, though? Did you finish it? I have one more episode. Okay. It's so good. Okay. One more episode. I did get caught up, but I, I had one more episode. Yeah. I'm sad that I watched it so fast because it's so funny and I want more. It is. It's so funny. So I do want to say before we start this episode, because it is Crystal's week and we're about to start. If you guys have any recommendations for shows, send them our way because right. we're in for the long haul. <laughs> At least uh, three more days in quarantine. Yeah, but also by the time this comes out, we'll only have like one one more day. So yeah. So hurry up and type them right now before you pause <laughs> this and send us our recommendations for shows. Speaking of recommendations, before we get into the case, we just wanted to real quick give you guys this recommendation for a podcast that we recently found. It's called Murder Squared. It's another true crime podcast. So just give them a listen and then we'll get into the case. Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? Are you looking to fill your library up? Well, then you found me. Hi, my name is Michaela and I'm the host of Murder Squared. Here we talk about the solved, the unsolved, the missing, the murdered, and pretty much anything and everything in between. Murder Squared is available on all major podcasting platforms. So if you're ready, get squared away and let's talk murder. Can we also say that because we have COVID, please disregard the sniffling, the coughing, and the clearing of the throat. We're going to try our best. Yeah, I'm going to try my best to not be disgusting in the microphone and then edit out whatever is disgusting. That is so gross sounding out loud. (laughs) Please please disregard our nasty, disgusting noises. Gross. (laughs) All right. So I'm really worried about talking a lot because of my throat. It's my turn, as we've discussed. And I have a case for you that is truly bonkers. So there's a ton of super odd, not really twists, but I'm going to call them twists, I guess. Because like, I didn't see them coming. Like the more I read about this case, the more I was like, what the hell am I reading? Like, what is happening? Okay. (laughs) Right. 
So I didn't intend to do an unsolved case because that's your kick, you know. <laughs> this one isn't technically unsolved, like it's solved, but I will say that it left me with a lot of unanswered questions. So okay, so it's solved, but you don't. So, so let I don't me know how so I feel ask. about it. So mm-hmm. it's solved, but you don't believe that the way or the person that supposedly did it did it. I don't know which way okay. I believe. I can see both ways. Okay. Okay. So. This is going to be one of those ones that I want, I want people's opinions on what they think. Also, who gave you this suggestion? Nobody. I found it. Nobody? You found this one? Oh, okay. Yeah. My suggestion is next week's one that I'm going to do. Yeah, I just, I just want to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you punch our sweet little brother? Because he, he's dead to me now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this week I'm going to tell you all about the Coots family murders. So let's Wait, go. Which one? The Kuntz family murders. Oh, I know this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's get into it. All right. Okay. So morning of July 5th, 1987, 55-year-old Kenneth Kuntz rushed over to a neighbor's house to use their phone. He had just come home after a night of drinking at the local bar to find his family, like his entire family had been murdered and his mother was missing. Police arrived to find a shocking scene and they ended up, they filmed like the entire discovery of each victim for evidence. So like as they walked through the house, they filmed the entire thing. 72-year-old Marie Kuntz was found in the entrance of the home. 76-year-old Clarence Kuntz was found in a bedroom. 30-year-old Randy Kuntz was found lying in the kitchen floor and there appeared to have been a struggle with him. And 81-year-old Irene Kuntz was discovered in a living room chair. All of the victims had been shot in the head at close range with a 22 caliber rifle. And then 70-year-old Helen was missing. So who is the Coons family and who would do this to them? We're going to start by getting into their background a little bit. I was like, wait, are you asking me? Okay. Asking <laughs> who is the Coons family, Samantha? I mean, I didn't know them personally, but. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, yeah, because it's 87. You weren't even born yet. <laughs> I know. The Coons family lived in a battered gray house nestled in the woods about six miles outside of the city limits of Athens, Wisconsin on 108 acres. So they had a big size family farm. Oh yeah. Helen, Irene, Clarence, and Marie were all siblings. And then Randy and Kenny were brothers. Randy and Kenny were Helen's sons. So everybody else in the house were their aunts and uncles. Now this was not the Coons family's first experience with murder in the family. Way back in 1905, there was another incident. So Anna and Ingenitz were the parents of Helen, Irene, Marie, and Clarence. This is like a whole family tree thing that gets confusing sometimes when I'm reading it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so early on in their marriage, Anna and Ingnitz, Ing- Ingnitz, that's a hard name to say. <laughs> they lived with Ingnitz's mother, Mary, along with Ingnitz's brother, Winsel, in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. There was a third brother, but he had a history of mental illness and was living in a mental institution at the time that this happened. So one night, Anna got home from work and discovered that Winsel had bludgeoned Mary to death while she slept in her bed. Winsel was then sent to the same mental institution as his brother, where he lived out the remainder of his life. And then Anna and Ingnitz moved to where the family lived now during this story, right outside of Athens. And they had plans of starting a new life as farmers. So that's why they got all this land. They were hopeful they would be successful with the land they came across, but it turned out to be terrible for farming. There was like, it was like covered in tree stumps. And it was like unable to grow anything. So that didn't really pan out great for them. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So there was virtually no evidence left at the scene. The only thing investigators had to go off of was a pair of unknown tire marks 
that were like leaving the property. And so try, to try to make sense of this horrific crime, police began looking into the Koontz family. Nobody in town knew much about them. They were known around town as like an odd kind of family. They pretty much stayed at home and kept to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like lived they, off the grid. They were definitely off grid. They dressed in like old timey hand-me-down clothes. They all lived in that house together, except for Kenny, who had his own trailer on the same property, like near the house. He was also the only one of the family family members that had a job. So he worked at the Kraft Cheese plant and would sometimes go out to the local bar for drinks as he did the night of the murders. So he was like the only one that really ever left the house. Every now and then, Helen, the mother, would leave town to like run errands, like go get groceries or something like that. But that was right. it. Nobody ever left the house. So obviously, police are going to have to rule out Kenny first because he was the one that found. Right. That's basically shit, right? Well, it quickly became clear that he was not the suspect. He was a simple-minded man. His IQ was around 50. He was socially awkward and painfully shy. There was no known motive for him to commit these murders, and nobody believed that he had the mental capacity to pull off such a crime and not leave, like, any kind of evidence at all. Right. And besides that, a big clue pointing away from Kenny being the culprit was where was Helen? So whoever did this had to have taken her with them. Like right. She just, she just vanished she without a trace. Right. So they had no idea where to start with that. They had no, the family had no connections with anyone in town. And the more they looked into this family, the more they realized that it was not your average family. First of all, the house was a straight up hoarder's dream. Like there was shit everywhere yeah i read about that yeah (laughs) there was old cars all outside there was junk littered outside the home the inside of the house was a hot mess like not really fit to live in there was no running water no indoor plumbing they like used an outhouse as their bathroom outside the only heat source in the entire house was a wood-burning stove which is also what the family used to cook on those are actually quite nice sometimes (laughs) yes I remember having, um, it was one of my first, the first house I lived in had a wood burning stove. We also had like gas and stuff to warm up the house. So you didn't like depend on the wood burning stove, Mm. but it was nice to have as a backup. When um, Chris and I first moved in together back when I was like 18, we lived in this teeny tiny little apartment and it was like literally like one room was the whole thing. And the only heat we had in it was our gas stove. That's what we used to heat up and it worked great. But also that was a teeny tiny one room place. This was like a big ass farmhouse. So we've got this reclusive family that never leaves the house besides Kenny. And police were shocked to find over $20,000 stashed around the house. Sounds like a hoarder. <laughs> Some of the money was literally just like laying out in plain sight. Like it was just out, just sitting out. Yeah. <laughs> So the cops are like, who is this family? Like, what are they doing to have this kind of money just laying around? And who would want to murder them? I think. And and also, who'd want to murder them and leave the money? That's what I was going to say. Whoever was awful enough to kill an entire family would just take money if they saw just laying around, I feel like, without a second thought. Like, right. If if you're shitty enough to kill people, you're definitely shitty enough to be like, oh, there's some money. Let me just grab that. But clearly it wasn't for the money. Even though this house was completely disgusting, they did have a few modern day amenities, including a TV and a VCR. Now, shit gets weird with the TV and the VCR. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's going to get weird. Just warning y'all upon (laughs) like, like what, what kind of weird are you about to say? (laughs) I'm about to tell you it's going to be weird. So upon further searching the house, they find an enormous library of sexually explicit magazines and videos. (laughs) Yes. So police were like, okay, that's kind of weird. Now, after doing a little digging in town and trying to gather a little bit of information, they interviewed a store clerk that had helped Helen three weeks before the murders when she came in the store to order an electric toaster. While she was there, she decided to purchase some bullets for a 22 caliber rifle, which is what murdered them all. Right. Telling the clerk that they had an awful blackbird problem at the house. And so she needed these, these bullets for Randy so he could take care of the blackbird problem. Now, this clerk had helped Helen several times when she'd come in, make purchases. And normally when she came in, she seemed like friendly and quiet. But on this day, she she seemed a little different. She seemed like agitated, not full on angry, but definitely like something was upset, upsetting her. She ended up telling the clerk that she was upset with her family because all they ever did was sit at home all day watching dirty movies together. Ew. uh... Yes. I told you it's going to get weird. See, I know the, I know this case, but I don't know, like, all of that. Like, I know the gist of the case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, all the stuff they did in the house. Some weird Ooh. shit. They did some weird shit in the house. So. That's nasty. Yeah, girl. Now, police, again, were like, well, that's, that's pretty fucking weird. Yeah. So, they would sit around together and watch porn, like, as a family activity, basically. Yeah, no. Yeah, f- hell fucking no. That's gross. After further- I can't even watch I, I, this is so I can't even sit there and watch a movie and then there be like a kissing scene even with my kids around me because I feel it's like, fucking awkward. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah, no, I get that. We don't we don't do PDA in this house, just so you know. We don't do PDA. <laughs> like me and my husband don't sit there and like kiss in front of the kids and stuff they know that we love each other right but but so like watching movies or something where there's like a kissing scene like a makeout scene I'm like uh can we just skip this part? you're like this has to be awkward for my children right now it's so, <laughs> it may be not like my youngest because she doesn't know any better or anything but like definitely for my teenager right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's a definitely like that's so disgusting they would just sit there and watch porn together. Yes. Yes, they would. Hey, grab the popcorn, kids. kids. Granted, they're like a lot older, but. <laughs> yeah, like the aunts and uncles are all in their 70s. And yeah, then that's, still, that's even more disturbing to me. And too, then the, the <laughs> nephews are in their like, what was it? One was 30 something and one was 50 yeah, that's something. so fucked up. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> what I'm telling you. <laughs> what 70 year olds do you know? Or soon I'm, they're just like watching porn in a group I mean I don't know I mean there's probably some out there but I don't know <laughs> hopefully not a group with their family though <laughs> well you, I mean you do you but not incestuously <laughs> so I lost my thought oh right after further investigation and questioning Kenny it became clear that this wasn't the only off thing the Kutzes did as a family Kenny confirmed the fact that the family would openly watch porn together but then went a little further than police expected. He started by telling them about the family's sleeping arrangements. 
So apparently Helen and her son Randy shared a room. And then siblings Clarence, Marie, Irene all slept together in the living room. When looking into Kenneth and Randy's father, police were shocked at what they learned. So when Helen was 15 in 1933, she began, she began, she became pregnant with Kenneth. She told authorities that she had been raped by her neighbor, a man named Frank Gums. Frank ended up being convicted of rape and ended up dying after serving about 18 months in prison. But Kenny told a different story. So apparently he and Randy had been told their entire lives that Clarence was their father, their uncle Clarence, their mom's brother was their father. Oh, oh, yes. She like lives with them. Yeah. Like that's a no for me. Yeah. They have, they have a literal uncle father. Remember we did that one case about the hillbilly oncle father. Yeah. The uncle father. That lived with them. But this other man had been like convicted of raping her. I know that's so awful. Right. So looking back at the transcripts from Frank's trials, it showed that Frank's defense lawyer had tried making the case that Clarence had fathered the child, not Frank. Yeah. And his lawyer even brought up Frank's kids as witnesses who said that Helen and Clarence were oddly inseparable. So Frank probably went to prison for nothing at all. Like he probably did literally nothing at all. And she got pregnant by her brother and then just said, oh, this, this guy raped me. And then he went to prison and ended up dying. Kenny also told police about how the whole family partook in incestual relationships with each other. Ew. They were watching porn and sleeping together on the regular. So as strange and disturbing as all this was, it still didn't answer questions as to who did this and why and where was Helen? Had she snapped and murdered her entire family in cold blood and then disappeared into the night? That was one possibility they were looking into. But she was like 70. (laughs) She was like 70. So (laughs) like, like, I just don't see that, but okay. She was literally 70. So for nine months, there was no trace of Helen anywhere. No one in the community believed that Helen was capable of such a crime. Cause like you were saying, she was 70. (laughs) Yeah, she was 70. (laughs) The few times that she was seen in town, she seemed like super friendly and they didn't think that she was physically capable of doing this because she was 70 because <laughs> she was 70 and they and even then, yeah let's let's go back we're not like dissing on 70 year olds either because there's some that are like super fit and you wouldn't even know that they're 70. right I'm sure there's a lot of 70 <laughs> year olds that could keep my ass so then there was a break in the case after getting a tip from an informant that the police didn't identify ever like I couldn't see who the informant was they searched a marsh about 18 miles north of the Coons home and they found the skeletal remains of Helen she had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber rifle, same as the rest of her family. Right. And the murder weapon was not at the scene, ruling out suicide as a possibility. So this led police to believe that Helen had been kidnapped by her family's murderer, brought to this location, and then executed in the same fashion that they had been. There was one theory that Randy could have been selling drugs, which seems to have just come out of nowhere. But at the time of the murders, this area was known to have a really bad drug problem. Oh, and like this was the collateral. Right. So one person even came forward saying that one time they had bought drugs from Randy. And so like, okay, he's definitely like dealing. And investigators questioned if this could have been a drug deal gone bad, especially since there were signs of a struggle with Randy's death in particular. Like everybody else was just there, like laying in bed or sitting in a chair. There was a struggle with him. So like maybe drug deal gone bad. There was a struggle. Randy got shot and then they killed everybody else to you know cover it up right but then why would they take Helen like that doesn't make yeah that still doesn't make sense right 
So police began questioning everyone to find anyone that might have ties to the family at all. This eventually led investigators to a man named Christopher Jacobs III. He was a 22, 22, no, that's a lie. He was a 21-year-old <laughs> farmer. <laughs> that's met, a lie. That's, that's a lie. lie. I'm a lying liar. <laughs> he was a 21-year-old farmer who had met the family only a few times when he bought a car from them. So one of their hoarding junk cars, I don't know. He ended up buying a car from them. Now, Jacobs had a history of being known as a troublemaker and a thief around town. Since he was the only person that they could find with any ties to the reclusive family whatsoever, police zoned in on him. They searched his family home. He was still living with his parents at the time. And they ended up confiscating a car, two 22 caliber rifles, ammo for the rifles, spent shell casings, and newspaper clippings about the Koontz murders. They also found a receipt for new tires. So... <laughs> Not a good look. <laughs> no. Bro, you look guilty. <laughs> you look guilty AF right now. Like, what's up with that? So Jacobs was arrested and charged with all five counts of murder. Police were like, bro, you looking guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so the two rifles found at Jacobs' house were not a match for the murder weapon. Police actually never found the murder weapon. There was a 22 caliber rifle found in the Kuntz home after the murders. But they knew before even sending it off that it wasn't going to be a match for the murder weapon because there was like literal cobwebs in the barrel of the gun. <laughs> so that was a clear sign that it had not been fired in quite a while. Jacobs went to trial and the defense argued that there was no direct evidence that Jacobs had any involvement with the murders. Meanwhile, prosecutors argued that the tire tracks and the gun shell casings found at the murder scene were completely tied to him. So the trial went on for nearly a month and it was a little intense to say the least so remember i told you that the police had filmed the entire crime scene yes well they ended up showing this disturbing footage to the jury during the trial so the jury members had to see like they were literally wincing as they're watching like the camera focusing on each one of the victims and like just going through the house and seeing the entire yeah bloody scene mm -hmm. as a detective made his way through the home in the video you could hear in the background, there's like a radio broadcast of a baseball game going on. So like you hear, it's all very just like eerie. And then portions of the tape were edited before the trial, but not, not much. And so the jury jurors could clearly see like looks of frozen horror on the faces of these dead murder victims. Right. So that, I feel like that's a little intense. It's, it seems intense and it seems to me like, kind of like a distraction from the prosecution like maybe they're like oh we don't have enough evidence to convict so let me show you this disturbing video well yeah that's, so the that's, jurors are like look what this man did you know it's a major major trick for sure mm -hmm. and it sucks it sucks when the one that's up against it is actually truly innocent you know right, for sure especially because jurors are like they're sitting here seeing this horrific crime and and seeing all of the damage that was done and right like, okay well they did show us that he did just buy new tires and he's got these shell casings it does look guilty i mean right i mean it's not the the rifles weren't a match to the murder weapon but i mean like i don't know it it just seems like a trick like yeah. oh we don't have enough evidence so let's just is, try to make this as shocking and you know it, it is awful so on october 28th 1989 
After 10 hours of deliberating, Jacobs was found not guilty on all five counts of murder. So he's a free man. The prosecution was shocked. A reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, <clears throat> the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel <laughs> named. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it was. I'll try that again. A reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel named Crocker Stevenson was among those surprised. I just want to know. Out of all the names that you could have named your child, <laughs> Crocker, where did Crocker. you get, like, like Betty Crocker? Yeah, bitch could cook. Did you just, like, <laughs> decide you liked that name and just. Maybe and, it's a family name. I don't know. It may be. I don't know. I think it's interesting. It's, yeah, for sure. You don't see a lot of Crockers running around. No, no, you don't. <laughs> so he actually got super invested in this case and he ended up writing a book about it called Blood Relative, A Portrait of a Mass Murder. Stevenson believed that there was enough evidence to convict Jacobs, but says that the Kuntz's family's, quote, otherness played a role in the jury's decision to side with him. So he said that they put a suit on him and cut his hair, but he was a thug and came from a family who looked at these people as someone they could victimize. And then that the Kuntz family was just so different than everybody else in their odd things that they did odd yeah odd thing. yeah Let's I don't know be honest <laughs> they were fucked up things bro the, they were fucked up things and so that he thinks that the prosecution played on that and I mean the defense played on that and whatever so even though Jacobs was cleared of these charges this would not be the end of his legal troubles four years after he was cleared Jacobs was arrested again but not for the murders of the Kuntz family because like double jeopardy and junk can't charge someone right. twice for the same crime. So this time he was arrested for the kidnapping and false imprisonment of Helen Kuntz. So completely oh different. Yeah. These new charges came just hours before the statute of limitations on the case was about to expire. Like literally hours before it was about to get. So Jacobs tried to fight these charges, arguing that they violated his constitutional protections against double jeopardy. But they're like, nah, bro, these are completely different charges. So he was denied. His second trial began June 8th, 1998, more than a decade after the Kuntz family was murdered. The trial lasted for two weeks, and prosecution argued that Jacobs had murdered the Kuntz family and then kidnapped and imprisoned Helen before murdering her also. They had a whole new case against Jacobs that all rested on tire tracks and gun casings from the first trial, along with the word of Jacobs' ex-girlfriend, Stacy Wise. Now, Stacy came forward in June of 1993 and said that Jacobs had confessed to her two years earlier that he had committed the murders of the Goons family. She stated that Jacobs and her were driving home from their pool league at a bar in Stratford when he asked her how she would react if he told her that he had actually committed the murders that he'd been cleared of. She said he then confessed to killing the family to her to, quote, prove he was a man. Whatever the hell that means, right? <laughs> you could prove you're a man in so many other ways, like... I don't know. Go build something. <laughs> Go build something. Oh my God. Like, come on. Yeah. Men don't kill people. Monsters do. <laughs> so Stacy said that Jacobs told her he went to the Coons home where Randy let him in because he knew Jacobs from selling a car to him. The two men then got into a heated argument over money and Jacobs ended up shooting Randy. I'll put too many E's on that. EDs. <laughs> Jacob ended it up shooting Randy. Ended it up. <laughs> they got into a heated argument and Jacobs ended up shooting Randy. He then decided he needed to tie up all those loose ends and proceeded to shoot the rest of the family before tying up Helen and driving her to the marsh where her body was found nine months later. He never explained why he kidnapped her and killed her at the marsh instead of the house with the rest of the family. 
Stacey also claimed that Jacobs had confessed this whole thing to his defense lawyer, Weldon Nelson, who apparently wrote down the entire confession and had Jacobs sign it and then put it in, in an envelope. So this is all Stacy's testimony, the ex-girlfriend's testimony against him. Yeah. Nelson was like, nah, bitch, no. <laughs> it didn't happen. He's like, he's like, why are you trying to throw me under the bus? Bro? Okay. He's like, I do not like, have this envelope that you just bitch, made up. Bitch, I don't know what I did to you, but... <laughs> <laughs> but don't be throwing <laughs> accusations out there. Right. Like my who, at your mouth. Who is you? <laughs> so he tried to discredit Stacy, calling her a liar and a criminal. He argued that she was giving a false testimony to get herself out of trouble. He said that she was in trouble in another state for burglary and bank robbery charges, and that she was allowed to plead guilty to a lesser burglary charge and was never charged for the bank robbery because she struck a deal with the prosecutors. Now, this was not an incorrect statement. She did have outstanding charges and was granted a plea deal for her participation in this trial. Okay. That looks sketch to me. Jacobs testified that he was in his car the night of the killings until about 11 p.m. when his mother said he returned home. His home was about eight miles north of the Kuntz farm. I don't know why I said north. I just added that. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> I wrote his home was about eight miles from the Kuntz farm and I just added north. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. <laughs> his home was about eight miles from the Kuntz farm. Nelson told jurors it would have been impossible for Jacobs to have killed the Kuntz family members since the time of the murders was estimated to, be, to have been around 1030 that night. So there's no way that he could have killed the family, kidnapped Helen, drove her to the marsh 18 miles away, killed her, and then made it back home by 11. Prosecutors were like, all I heard from that was that he had no alibi. He was just in his car with no witnesses. So Nelson then challenged the prosecution's tire tread evidence, saying, you know, it's not a clear match. Uh, That didn't work out for either side, really, because the experts on both sides disagreed on their findings. So the tire track (laughs) was like nothing. We can agree to disagree. (laughs) Right, exactly. So now we get to the shell casings found in Jacob's bedroom. A ballistics expert concluded that 29 of the 101 22 caliber shell casings found in Jacob's bedroom were fired from the same rifle that fired the nine shells found at the murder scene. The expert concluded the rifle was most likely a Remington Nylon 66, and that same type of rifle had been purchased by Jacob's mother back in 1977. But it just happened to be missing now. Nobody knew where that gun was. That's pretty sketch. That is sketch. Nelson's approach as Jacob's defense was not the classiest, in my opinion. He argued that the murderer could have been anyone, even a member of the Coots family. They were, after all, an odd group. Right. And there were other relatives that didn't live with this bunch. And he's all, again, they watched porn together and they were like incestual. So, I mean, that's not, that's not a super classy defense. Like that, don't, don't make the victims out to be the problem even if they were I agree yeah so after just four hours of deliberation the jury found Jacobs guilty and he was sentenced to 31 years in prison with a mandatory release date on February 8th 2020 this was to be followed by extended supervision until 2029 now despite Jacobs eventual convictions Crocker Stevenson does not believe justice was served so even though he thinks he did it he's like justice still wasn't served in an interview, he said, quote, what happened to the Kuntz family offended me and should offend anyone that believes the law protects us all the same. The Kuntzes were treated like white trash that didn't matter. 
the lives of these people didn't matter to the jury. So he's all pissed about how the cha- the trial was handled and all that. Right. So last year at the age of 53, Jacobs was released, but not last year. It was 2020. We're in 2022 two, now. Yeah, two years ago. I'm still thinking well, 21. Technically not two years ago. It's just 2022 right. now. So yeah. Almost two years ago at the age of 53, Jacobs was released, but he was reprocessed shortly after. So he refused to cooperate with the parole stipulations, such as signing paperwork and reporting to his parole officer, because he said that he felt like if he acknowledged and accepted the terms of his parole, that was basically admitting guilt. And he still, to this day, continued to maintain his innocence after all these years. So he was like, you know what, why don't I just stay here until the entire sentence is up in 2029? They were like, okay, if you want to. So he's still in prison and still maintaining his innocence after all these years. So he's like, I'll get out at 60. So, right. And he's like, I'm not admitting that I did it because I didn't. Now, I don't, there's so many questions that I have. Like, is this the right man? I can argue it both ways. I feel like, so I knew this case. I, I knew like all, I knew the whole family died except for the one, but this one, it stumps me too. So I can go both ways. There is, it, it's very sketch. The shell casings, the missing gun mm-hmm. is very sketchy to me. Yes. The shell casings, like literally matching the ones at the crime scene and the gun missing, super sketch. Yes. He has no alibi technically. And he's he got this background as like a thief and he a, a does, bad person. Correct. The tire tracks, like buying new tires or whatever. If you're like... If you commit a crime, you're not thinking about your tires. So right, I that's what I was thinking. So, so for me, I I can also throw that out because it would it would make more sense if somebody released that there was tire tracks and he went and bought some, like right then. Right, right. But the fact that he purchased new tires prior to any evidence being stated about these tire tracks, I feel like that should be thrown out because that just <laughs> the- doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make it sense. Doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'd be more was... concerned about like leaving fingerprints and DNA and stuff like that around before right. I thought about tires. Right. Another thing. Okay. He was one of the only people that knew the family, had a tie to the family. Correct. But this argument, according to his ex-girlfriend, was supposedly over money. There was like $20,000 cash just laying around. That's exactly what I was about to say too. If it was, if he was so concerned about money, it was out in the open. He could have easily taken the money. It could have been a robbery. He could have done all that. And he didn't, nothing was taken. Right. It was just a murder. Not just a murder, but you know what I mean? It, it was, was a murder. It was a murder, not a break-in robbery murder. Correct. Um, but then again, <laughs> they weren't people that went out all the time. So for them to only know a couple people and for, for the couple people, him to be one that was very well known for the family because he came around more often, he is a prime suspect for that. Right, for sure. I but- also feel like like when they re- released him, him stating what he st- stated, it doesn't make you look any better. Like him saying that he might as well just stay there till 2029 because he refuses. Oh, right. It yeah, doesn't make you look innocent doing that either. Like, but also, it, I mean, I get it. In a I way understand. it does, because you don't want to admit, you're like, I don't want to sign this because that shows that I'm 
saying I that agree. I was guilty. I agree. So that one I could do. go both ways. I agree. I, I guess that's a good point too, but I just don't know. It's the very odd case to me. I personally believe there's more to it. Yeah, yeah I think so too. And I, he may have been the killer. Absolutely. He may have done it. And I'm not denying that he could have done it because I think that there is evidence that does kind of support. The gun thing is a big thing. Yeah, but all the evidence and everything that was presented and like the money, the the ex-girlfriend, having the ex-girlfriend even right. I was gonna say, up even, to the sand as a witness. Yes. Even like if he they did drew it, for straws on that. Exactly. Even if he did it, that was like a very shitty half-ass way of trying to prove that he did it there's there's more to the story there's more to the story that it, it doesn't make sense for him to have just like taken her helen right like there's, why would he have just kidnap no her? reasoning to why it. wouldn't he just, if he killed the rest of them why wouldn't he just kill her at the house too that doesn't it make doesn't, sense it doesn't make sense so i i there's definitely more to it and and personally i think that he could absolutely be innocent I know like there's so many it could go so it could go both ways like that's why when I read this when I was done I was like huh okay like <laughs> I don't know what I think and I then know. another thing like it could be somebody that they didn't even look at they're like oh well not wanting to be like oh it could have been somebody in the Coots family because there was other members they didn't know about but I mean there was right. other members that didn't live there that maybe had a problem with them and that's why that maybe had a problem with Helen that's why they took her right it's all weird it's a weird family it's a weird crime so basically I don't know how I feel about this yes. just left me with a ton of questions so you're welcome <laughs> yeah yeah so let us know what y'all think I want to know your thoughts. was it Jacobs was it not was what it somebody else what had happened at first when I first started reading it I was like okay Helen snapped she killed everybody and then she left. And then when she was found and had been no shot gun. with no gun, I was like, well, shit, where's the gun then? Because it would make sense if she left and then felt guilty and committed suicide. Right. But there would be a gun. But I also don't think that she would have ever done it anyways, just because she was 70 years old. <laughs> she Again, was she was years 70 old years old. And, and the man, Randy um there was a struggle so Randy was I'm pretty sure let me look back Randy was the youngest I think he was like 35 that's what I'm saying she was 70 years old and there was a struggle if there was a struggle I feel like Randy could have taken her you know oh yeah oh yeah yeah Randy was 30 he was 30 yeah Randy could have taken her <laughs> I don't know I don't know that's that's that on that you're welcome for all the questions so there's your technically solved murder Slash, is it unsolved right I don't know I don't know so now I'm so glad that I'm done talking because my throat is on fire doesn't it doesn't it hurt I I, I noticed you didn't talk gonna... that much this time and I was like it's because I didn't hurt. and it's because I knew <laughs> that if I did I would start clearing my throat and I don't want to make all the disgusting noises for our listeners and I'm trying my best like I was trying my best not to like be all sniffly too because I think one of the worst <laughs> one of the worst parts about um about having COVID so far is I feel very stuffy yeah, my nose is constantly running. It's 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 either running annoying. or it's stuffy. Yeah. And um I'll tell you, my lungs feel like they are on fire. 
um, they didn't feel as bad yesterday or the day before, but like this morning and even gradually throughout the day, I'm, I don't feel completely awful. I mean, I don't feel good. Right. But, but, um, my lungs, like breathing hurts and coughing really hurts. It hurts to exist. <laughs> it really does. It really I know. Does. I know. And and I shouldn't complain because there's been so many cases that are so much more worse than than either one of us. So. Right, right. I'm feeling very lucky right now that it hasn't gotten any worse and I'm hoping it stays that way. So I'm also <laughs> very lucky because I still haven't lost my sense of taste or smell. Like I I can't smell all the way, but I can still smell some. Right. Yeah. But I can still taste. The worst part for me is not being able to snuggle with my baby jacks. Oh my gosh. The worst part for me is not being able to be around the kids or my, or my oh. shadow. Oh yeah. I can't be around my kids either. That's <laughs> I was talking about my dog. I'm like, but Harlow, <laughs> my youngest is, is such a cuddler. Like she loves to cuddle every yeah. night. She wants to cuddle. She was crying last night because she couldn't come in Aww. here to, to cuddle. I felt so bad because I miss it. But I also feel bad because I keep shoving my dog away from me too. I'm like, you're going to get COVID. <laughs> I know. Mine, mine, I'm real sad about it because he's a big snuggler and he just had a big major surgery. And so I really don't want to yeah. be around him because that would be terrible. So I yeah, my kids it. aren't really snugglers anymore because they're older. Yeah. And so if I, I've been banished to the bedroom, like everybody else in the house is fine. No symptoms, nothing. <laughs> Your daughter cracks me up. So Danielle has been, um, she has a mask. She keeps spraying Crystal with Lysol when she opens the door to get her food. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I feel real loved. <laughs> She's like bathing in hand sanitizer, which is great. I don't do definitely do not want to give it to them, but like I just opened my door for a second and be like, oh, I need a water and I'm getting sprayed with Lysol. So yeah, <laughs> I feel that. So that's that. Let right. us know what y'all think about this case. Follow us on all the stuff. Oh, and we mentioned our last episode. You can actually rate us like on Spotify now. So if you're yes. a Spotify listener, you should totally go do that too. You totally should. You should totally do that. You should. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, follow all of our other stuff. The Insta, the Facey Space. All that good stuff. It's all on our website, sarahholicsisters.com. And um, that I is that. Let's be awkward. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go lay in my bed and rest my tired throat hole now. <laughs> I'm going to try to breathe. Okay. Okay. All bye. right. Bye. <laughs>